This is three years after he retires from MMA with like a really good record. Are you done? Are you done? <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Thank you, Nate. one of the joys of uh, being a producer on this show is that at least once an episode you have to break up two stupid cats fighting (laughs) on top of a fridge that has liquor bottles clanking around on it Shout out to my animals. I love them so much. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to a serious topic like Suzuki fighting a robot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Hello and welcome to Wrestlesplania, the podcast where uh, wrestling enthusiast Kath Barbadorio introduces wrestling to me, a new fan, Rachel Millman. Hey man. Hey dude, what's up? Oh, not too much. Yeah. Late on a Monday night. Late on a Monday. This week. We uh, uh, picnicked this weekend. We did. We, we did. Prospect Park. Yeah. It was a nice time. Yeah. What else did you do this weekend? I mostly just recovered from the picnic day because we went to karaoke afterward. And, you know. I had done karaoke the night before. So yeah. I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. I can't karaoke two nights in a row. No, <laughs> it's. I. I, it I go was, hard at karaoke. I, so do I. And, like, I. Like, what are your set songs? Um. I always, I always do Usher Love in this club. You're That's really good at it. Classic. I've seen you do it. Thank you. Um, I did that on Friday and people didn't know the song, which like made me really upset. Like, yeah. I was sad for them. That's a beautiful song. It's a wonderful song. <laughs> I really like to do um, Valerie mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. I like to do uh, Puddle of Mud, She Hates Me or mm-hmm. The Offsprings Get a Job because they are emotionally kind of the same song. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Uh, very similar. Similar vibe. Yeah. I like to do a nice uh, Patty Smith Because the Night. Ooh. I'll do that if I'm like drunk enough. Uh, if they have it, I do Run Away With Me. Mm. But not, mo- not a lot of places do and it's also kind of like a psycho move on my part but in a way I <laughs> personally admire in myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I love karaoke. It's really fun. Uh, you know. I'm trying to think of a segue, and the best I got is karaoke is Japanese. <laughs> well, my segue is sing along to a theme song such oh, as... Oh, there you go. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> that theme song... So today, um, you probably already know if you've uh, looked at any words related to this podcast, we're talking about Minoru Suzuki today. Yay! Murder and grandpa. Murder well, grandpa. Murder father. <laughs> For us, murder murder father. Yeah. Um, we're we're not we're no spring chickens. To some wrestling fans, perhaps a murder grandpa. He's like fifty something. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I know. mean, he's younger than my parents at this yeah, point. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but Minoru Suzuki's theme song. The man is wonderful. The theme song. I think the best theme song in professional wrestling. It is a fucking jam. It's if a- you haven't listened to it on its own it's great in his intro but just like pull up the actual recording of it it's a really (laughs) good song like i listened to it at the gym it fucking rules it's awesome i really i like it i genuinely if i knew the words i would karaoke it yeah because like 
I feel like if you were in a room of people with who knew it, like you love a you like you love a sing along, you love that sort of sense of it. But it's also just like I think it's kind of there's a lot of things about him that are indicative of how cool he is, and this song is one of them. It's true. Which is that like he's a guy who cares about so many different aspects of it, and we're obviously going to get into that, but the fact that he was like, I want this to represent me is like, okay, I really like what you're doing here. Yeah, I think it is initially kind of an unlikely choice, it seems like. If you hear, okay, Minoru Suzuki, 30-year professional wrestling veteran, um, been in the business for a very long time. He debuted in the late 80s for New Japan, then he went to another company, and then he switched to MMA and f- actually founded one of the first MMA companies, Pancreas, which always makes me think of Pancreas when I yep, say it, yep. which seems like a bad place to be punched. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's what it makes me think of. It's kidneys, pancreas, <laughs> head, spleen. I feel like spleen would be bad. Uh, I feel tailbone. like those rupture a lot. Spleen's, tailbone. Tailbone. But like getting punched in the tailbone would probably hurt your, the person's hand more than it would hurt your tailbone. When's the last time you landed on your tailbone? Yeah, no, it hurts. But like <laughs> I didn't land on someone's hand. Like your hand is also bones. That's true. Spleen, just a big bag of something you can explode. Rachel's making a gross face. (laughs) But yeah, he's like a big, scary... Well, not not big, which is actually something else I want to talk about, but he's a terrifying dude. He's a scary old man. Yeah, that's kind of his thing. And so picking this very emotional song with uh, female vocals, too, which I think is an interesting choice. Not a lot of male wrestlers have female vocals like this, like a melodious song sung by a woman as their theme. Yeah. Um, But I think... As we will talk about, um, there's more than meets the eye to this guy. Yeah, and that's... I was wondering what my journey was going to be with him because I knew a little bit about him at this point. And, like, he is kind of... Talking about Suzuki is kind of, you know, the end of a unintentional trilogy we set up here, which is that we talked about Shayna Baszler. We talked about Zack Sabre Jr. And now we're talking about Zack's mentor. Yeah, Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki. And I like, will say... I want to give uh, me and LB a little credit. It was not unintentional. This was intentional. We have set up your thesis with great care. <laughs> your syllabus, rather. I love getting inceptioned and feeling foolish. Um. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was, I think it was something we sort of figured out halfway through doing it. Like, oh, we should just make this a three-parter of yeah. submission wrestlers. Submission demons. Yeah, murder demons. I Like I said on the Shayna Baszler episode, I think she needs to join Suzuki-Goon with, uh, with Zack <laughs> and Minoru. But yeah, he's, he's kind of the New Japan mentor to Zack Sabre Jr. They met in uh, a promotion called Pro Wrestling Noah, which Suzuki and the rest of Suzuki Goon were like exiled to from New Japan <laughs> because they were too much of a, a assholes, and they kicked him out. And Is they this kayfabe Noah. assholes or shoot assholes? I mean, I think they were. I mean shoot assholes like this is the storyline okay i don't know why they actually went to noah i don't think it was like an agreement i think they did like i think Minoru suzuki did leave the company for whatever reason but the kayfabe story was like we're sick of these guys <laughs> they keep fucking everything You're mean up. to us <laughs> how could you so uh, yeah <laughs> and then zach started working new japan and and now they're uh murder buddies oh it's so cute it's very cute <laughs> i like the mentorship and i like that So for me, a lot of 
what happened to me with the Zach episode is like, wait, but I like Zach so much. How can he be evil? And I had to like understand how he's a little demon in the ring Mm -hmm. because I knew less about Suzuki. I immediately accepted the character of like murder father. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, wait, no, he's actually like a wonderful, cool guy who seems to have a great handle on being an older gentleman in a like very masculine male dominated often toxic entertainment and he seems to Hmm. have a balance on that and it like it just it was it was an inverse of that and I really enjoyed going through that sort of realization yeah and the the order of the matches that we watched the order of the matches that we're going to talk about I think has a lot to do with that yeah the one thing I want to say before we get into the matches that I think is also very important (laughs) is that not only did Suzuki have a 30-year pro wrestling career, like 10 years of MMA fighting? Um, he's been through a lot of stuff uh, in this business. He also used to be so fucking hot. <laughs> it wouldn't be the show without us <laughs> I just, noting. We're not going to talk about it that much, but I do we, just need to say it. <laughs> I mean, we've discussed the fact... <laughs> That he was hot because it's on our G1 mini episode. Where yes, you for our patrons. If you want to hear us talk about how hot Suzuki is. <laughs> you, you'll probably hear that now and in the future. But he was truly beautiful in like this just romantic like. He looks like a Disney prince. Uh, he had like the most amazing bone structure and he still does. We, we talked about this. I think we said kind of the same thing. He's still like very in striking he's a striking person and for a guy who's been kicked in the face for 30 years he should not be this handsome yeah and it's just like defying the odds i like i don't know he's aging really gracefully i gotta say yeah he's still a babe i mean he's not the same type of babe that he was because holy shit like it's crazy (laughs) like it really i'll say this If, if you're a modern wrestling fan and you have not seen old suzuki I would put he is hotter than Sonata like he is Sonata level honk and beyond like hotter than anyone on the New Japan roster right now I would say yeah yeah crazy no offense to any of them who are all they're all beautiful very hot I would say the closest is Ibushi yeah maybe Ibushi but like not and like we've had discourse about Ibushi's hair like just he doesn't have Ibushi's hair no he has like nice jet black thick full head of hair and He's also so i'm sorry thoughts going on in his brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah also just... a steely intellect that uh our our buddy kota bushi might might lack <laughs> but yeah i'm sorry i like rachel was like about to get into the match like she was starting to talk about the first match and i was like hold on nate make a note i just need to say how hot suzuki is <laughs> <laughs> he really is though he's beautiful uh but he fights a beautiful man for the first match you guys had me watch which was suzuki fighting tanahashi and it was it was from um this january 2018 i believe it was new beginning in sapporo it's the one yep. from like the end of january oh. and they're fighting for the intercontinental title yeah and i think i mean speaking of beautiful men tanahashi uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Still gorgeous. Oh, oof. Um, but he's about 10 years younger than Suzuki. But they're still kind of on the older side for a pro wrestler. For sure. For sure. And, and like Suzuki, like Tanahashi's interesting to me because he's kind of in currently in like this Cena stage of his career where it's now a downhill slope. And like 
I don't want to say that like New Japan does everything better than WWE, but like New Japan does stuff like they're doing it a lot more gracefully than WWE is because like, well, Cena is also a goofier guy to be fair and that's to be fair to WWE which is that he's on a like goofy jobber downslope and he's also a comedic actor so so it's just it's a more graceful denouement in his career and like I'm sure he's going there's no way he wouldn't be like revered and loved into like retirement and the end of his career and stuff I'm sort of interested to see what his steps are going to be as you are with any like aging pop star but the thing to know about Tanahashi too is that not only is he sort of in that position in terms of his character he also was kind of the John Cena of New Japan for years. So New Japan went through some kind of dire straits in the late uh, in the late 2000s, early 2010s, and Tanahashi is who is credited as sort of reviving interest in New Japan. Like he was kind of their foundational, oh, their pillar. So yeah. he, he, the fact that you're comparing him to John Cena, I think is very astute. I know you're comparing him to John Cena now, but I think that parallel has always been applicable. Yeah. Um, and, and, Tanahashi, while he might not be as old as Suzuki, um, fun fact, Tanahashi and AJ Styles are the same age, which I think is interesting because I think of them as very differently. Like, Uh, I don't think of AJ Styles as sort of a a past his prime guy, but like, as far as his career goes, like, yeah, he's on the upper end, you know? Yeah. But... I mean, that's uh, just injuries and what happens with injuries sometimes, too. Exactly. That's that's the thing, is even though Tanahashi is younger than Suzuki, he's sustained a lot of injuries in his career, and that plays into this match pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, they talk about his torn bicep uh, during his entrance. That doesn't come in quite as much, but his knee yeah. has been sort of... He's had knee surgery a bunch of times. He has no meniscus anymore. It's oh. just like a fucked up like bone. <laughs> so oh. that plays into this match very heavily and I think this was a great one to have you watch first because it really presents the Suzuki that we were talking about at the beginning which is just a fucking bastard just a dick just a somebody who takes so much pleasure in making people hurt I um I thought just watching it you're just like two men like no people should be doing this at all but especially <laughs> two, the disclaimer for everything we talk about on this podcast no one should do this uh it's two men of this age should not be doing this should not be like twisting their limbs in the way he twists them it is like a filthy disgusting sinful thing he does to his <laughs> like Suzuki does to Tanahashi's ankle um but what I found, what I was thinking about when I was watching it is like these two old men are doing this and it's like, holy shit, the fact that you can still do this is crazy. But then there are 100 mile marathons that people run every year. And I will never run one in my life like that. <laughs> probably. I will probably never run a marathon. I was a cross country runner. I know my limit for shit that sucks when it comes to running. And it's probably about a half marathon. <laughs> but what I found interesting about, I was thinking about an anecdote. I heard about it about a hundred mile marathons, which is that young upstarts come in and like young guys who are like Marines or whatever or like really fit buff guys are like I'm gonna run this 100 mile marathon I'm gonna do it 
and they drop after a, per- a certain point. They can't get through it. But old people, people in their 50s who are career runners can get through it like it's nothing because your body changes when you get older. Your endurance changes when you get older. Your physical relationship with the self changes. Yeah. And I thought that really played in nicely here of like these two old men beating the shit out of each other (laughs) in a traditionally long as fuck New Japan match. Yeah, this goes about 40 minutes. Yeah, it's a long match. Um... So I thought that that was really fascinating. Yeah. And I thought that that was, uh, that was the lens through which I chose to view it. Now, whether that's true or not is, you know, your mileage may vary, but that's how I saw it. Yeah. And it helped me make sense of it. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I was thinking, um, more about their characters. So that like, I wasn't even really thinking about their age, but that's like a really interesting lens through which to view this. Um, I was just thinking about how much I like, Suzuki versus Tanahashi as sort of like energies, as like vibes. They fought, they have like a pretty long history together. They fought a a match in 2012 that was like a lot of people really liked. Thought about including it here, but I'm glad we did something more recent. Um, This is also probably a good place to say, we talked about this before the episode, um, Suzuki's career, because it's so long, we're not going to touch on everything. We don't have matches from back in the 80s that we're watching. This is kind of about where he is now and what we think his like perspective yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, we want to make that clear because we don't want people to tune into this and have have an expectation of like, oh, you're going to talk about his entire career? No, we don't have four hours. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think you want to spend four hours with us on that in a, in a chunk. Right, you can you can read a wiki page. Like, his yeah. wiki page is pretty good. I'm not going to try to... It would be a disservice to his earlier career. Yeah, totally. And we just want to talk about him now and who he is as like a man in this version of his prime because he's probably had many primes yeah but i i think that like this year he's had a lot of really great matches uh including this tanahashi match yeah i just think tanahashi is such a he's such a perfect like kind of corny baby face to me where i just look at him and i get like if i were a kid i would be like that is a superhero. He's got an ab window. I talked about this. He has an ab window. He has a crazy hairstyle. He has this beautiful no sleeve coat. He looks like a superhero. And he comes out to this like wailing guitar. And you just look at him and you're like, everything's going to be okay. Tanahashi's here. I feel safe. I you, feel good will prevail. You say that like it's for little kids, but like we, 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 we've talked about this before. My reaction when I first saw him was a similar vibe of yeah. like, oh my God, what am I looking at? I'm just, I'm observing star power in a way that you don't always see. Exactly. Uh, but like the match itself is a great, you guys did a very, very good job, I have to say. And also Strong Style helped LB pick these matches out for us. Yes. The both of you guys did a great job. Yeah, helping thank, you, me, thank you for help with that. We really appreciate yeah, it. Helping me understand his style and understand that he's not just a submission wrestler, but that he is a very specific, style to him like there's uh, a Velveteen Dream match where they talk about how like Velveteen Dream plays mind games and this is the difference of show versus tell because they don't say to you in the commentary oh you know he's like like they mention it but you just see an example of how he actually messes with Tanahashi 
in the story of the match. Right. So that's what's the character stuff that I, I yeah. find so appealing is like you have, I explained like Tanahashi is this like, this face, this all goodness and light and love and energy. That's like and his catchphrase. Handsome. And handsomeness. <laughs> and then Suzuki is such a wonderful foil to that because he's a crafty little bastard <laughs> and he just wants to hurt. He just wants... He, he just wants to undermine your feeling of safety and security that Tanahashi is here. Yeah. And he does that very craftily. He does that with um, these, you know, horrible looking ankle locks and, and stuff. But he also does it with like playing possum in the ropes and then yeah. grabbing Tanahashi in a chokehold in his legs. Stuff like that. Like he's, he's, um, it makes sense that Zack Sabre Jr. is sort of his like wrestling son of <laughs> somebody who is very sort of crafty and tricky. He has a respectful rope break and he's like, oh, I'm not going to mess with you. And you're <laughs> like, oh, guess what's going to happen? He's going to get messed with because they're talking about how like, wow, this is a, this is a change for Suzuki. Right. The audience actually applauds him because of his clean rope break, <laughs> which is so funny. Like even they're like, wow, credit to you, Suzuki. You never have a clean rope the break. The feral cat is learning manners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the I like the way this match ends. I've never seen a match end in this way before. Oh yeah, by ref stoppage. By ref stoppage because he's just torturing the fuck out of Tanahashi. Yeah, the second half of this match has some stuff in it that I find like genuinely hard to watch. And I think that might be because I know that after this match, Tanahashi was legitimately out for a while. Like he yeah. was he was shoot really hurt. Um he not I don't believe because of Suzuki. I think there's a, a spot where he tries to go for his big um, top rope move, the high five flow. And he lands on his knee. Exactly. And they, they actually do a replay where you see it land and it's just like... It's nasty. And then Suzuki targets that knee for the rest of the match. Suzuki! I know! He's a bitch! <laughs> he's an asshole! And yeah, but it's Tanahashi, you know, again, fighting spirit like savior of the universe like ace of ace of the generation or whatever captain america totally he is totally captain america uh. so he's not gonna tap out he needs the ref to stop it because he's not gonna tap to suzuki he's his will is stronger than his body you know that's true <laughs> but i it's it's it made me completely believe in him as a bastard a yeah. mean little bastard with no knee pads as you pointed out yeah no knee pads, his little boots, his little old man diaper. The fact that like he can be scary with what his ring gear is just speaks so much to his charisma and intensity as a performer because it's he comes out with a fucking towel on his head, old man panties, and dumb boots. Like tiny boots. No, no pat. Like he just looks like a. It, he looks like he's wearing a goddamn diaper in half well, these matches. Well, that's kind of like when a legendary older actor shows up to a red carpet, and like who, who I think of actually is Frances McDormand refusing to wear makeup or just being weird as hell or not doing her hair or being like I'm in pants. Shut yeah. up. It <laughs> commands its own level of respect of like. I don't play by your rules. I'm scary. I'm better than you at this and I'm going to win or I'm going to win an Oscar. Right. I don't need I don't need a complicated haircut yeah. or a glittery cape. Suzuki is Francis McDormand. That's, you know. <laughs> then if Suzuki's Francis McDormand, who is Tanahashi? Glam Jane Fonda. 
Okay, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) Jane Fonda's agent great in her own right, and she has her own interesting feminist things, but Jane Fonda also has had, respectfully and looks great, a shitload of plastic surgery. (laughs) That's, I think, I think those are my two. Um, (laughs) But they, they, the playing possum is so much fun and it's the different in our sort of submission trilogy it's the different ways you can be a submission wrestler you Mm -hmm. can have Shayna who's just like scary and mean and is like openly targeting you you can have Zach who's just like this little like gremlin demon and then you can have somebody who goes out of his way to mess with your mind as well as with your body. Yeah, he is, um, I think in contrast to Zack Sabre Jr., Zack Sabre Jr. strikes me as very calculating. Like I said in the last episode, he never really looks like flustered when he's wrestling. He Mm -hmm. he looks like, he gets tired, but he's very... um, controlled whereas I feel feel like Suzuki is um, a little bit more of a flamboyant um, personality he likes to he likes to yell at whoever he's wrestling mm-hmm. and you know he he goads them into hitting him and, <laughs> and you know and it's all sort of to get them where he wants them and then as soon as they play into their as soon as he lets them feel a little bit of confidence he comes back and, and yeah. ties them in knots yeah and I like the well I like the different ways in this match that he kind of goes to show that like look at this look how strong I am like even while you have me in a hold on my head I'm going to lead you while I'm upside down to the rope so I can get get out of this yeah like that just that says so much of him as like a performer and like how he just super good at his job (laughs) (laughs) he knows what he's doing and Yeah. yeah I think that also into the ring gear and stuff it's like I'm a fucking pro. I don't need any glitz and glamour. I'm going to choke you out. (laughs) And it rules. I feel like, I mean, I just imagine being a young lion and being like, all right, you're going to learn holds today from Suzuki and just being like, well, today is the day where I pass out. That's that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the like funniest running Suzuki things in New Japan is just that he beats the shit out of all the young lions. Like every time. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. You see it at the end of the Tanahashi match. Or I've been watching the G1, and uh, anytime he he's lost in the G1, anytime he loses, he just takes it out on the young lions around the ring. He just beats the shit out of them. It's I just so funny. I really enjoy the the picture of like him obviously going out of his way to beat the shit out of Hiromu. Yeah, I'm sure it happened. I'm sure if you're, we have footage. Of if it. you're a young lion in New Japan, Suzuki is coming for you. <laughs> You just have to know that. Did we just become pro hazing? (laughs) (laughs) Suzuki's the only person who's allowed to haze. (laughs) I've decided. That's a good take. That's a hot take, but I like it. (laughs) So this match rules. I feel like it's the most exciting match you can possibly have with two old dudes doing a figure four leg lock. Like (laughs) it's the crowd is going nuts for the whole thing. Uh, Even though it's like, it's a lot of, uh, old guys doing uh, holds but they look fucking crazy in rules yeah and it makes you really really scared for them even though holds are pretty safe for the most part yeah I mean Tanahashi's knee does get really messed up here but it's not from a hold yeah I I, I think it is while probably painful to wrestle Suzuki <laughs> relatively safe yeah um yeah you're not gonna pull a Hiromu you know what I mean yeah you're not doing doing the flippy stuff um, but it definitely establishes Suzuki as uh, a 
murder dad. That's scary, <laughs> sadistic, uh, violent, um, intense grump. Intense grump. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems like a grump. One he of his should nicknames, be my mentor then because I'm just such a grouch. Uh. <laughs> One of his nicknames on his Wikipedia for a while, it, it said it in Japanese and I, you know, I don't remember what the Japanese was, but the translation was the man with the worst personality in the world, <laughs> which rules. <laughs> it's so good like capital t capital m <laughs> the man with the the man with the worst personality in the world but to counteract the bad personality you guys then had me w- match watch a a uh, mecha mummy match yeah so we after we had rachel watch uh Suzuki be an asshole. We then spent the rest of the time trying to undermine um, <laughs> that idea that Suzuki is is purely just a, like a shoot style MMA badass. He is that, but he is also uh, really has done a lot of weird stuff. And so we watched some DDT stuff. We watched uh, Suzuki versus Mecha Mummy in DDT, mm-hmm. and we also watched a little bit of the empty Tokyo Dome match. <laughs> Which um, are both, you know, very different than Suzuki Tanahashi. The empty Tokyo Dome match was so weird. Like, it's weird. Like, it's to me, it's shot like a porno where they have to go through all the rooms. In, like, the Airbnb or whatever. I feel like... So weird. You've said this a couple times, like, that is an established category of porno, and I don't think I've ever seen a porno like that. They always, like, clearly... If it's, like, a... If it's a a porno where, like, they have to, like, go through the... Oh, they have to do it in the shower, or they're gonna do it on the couch, they're gonna do it on the balcony, like, he drags him through the different eras of the Tokyo... Different areas (laughs) of the Tokyo Dome. It's definitely filmed in the same uh, handheld... Gonzo yeah. pornography style. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. There's uh, Aja Kong comes out at the beginning. And, and has a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> sings, I guess, the national anthem? I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, there's him fighting Mecha Mummy, who is uh, a robot mummy, <laughs> who I think, like, died and then came back to life as a robot or something. I'm not super up on my DDT more. I don't, I feel like what I know about DDT, I learned at Aquabat shows when I was 17. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, because I actually, like, I got to say, I remember going to see the Aquabats with my dad and my dad being like, this is just wrestling. But like, it's, it's a super goofy match. It's so much fun. He just, and like, but he, he knows how to be a fold for that very well. Like he knows he's still murder dad. Right. That's what's so fun. I think to me is he does all of this comedic stuff, but. He's the same character throughout. He plays it completely straight and he's as committed as if he were wrestling Tanahashi. You know, like it's the same character, it's the same guy. He's abiding by these crazy fantastical DDT stipulations that <laughs> um, a robot mummy can wrestle. And um, sometimes when you're fighting through the empty Tokyo Dome, uh, a fake Nakamura and a fake Tanahashi are going to show up and you're going to have to fight them too. And he plays it all completely straight. And I just respect that so much. <laughs> I really liked the fake Nakamura and I liked the fake Nakamura down to the fact that he is also in like not this in like shittier materials than Nakamura wears. Like right, DDT's put, not rolling in money at this point. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> it's so fun. 
funny though. It's just I really enjoy seeing that sides of a performer too. Like I could just you know, like maybe he probably did the goofy stuff earlier in his career. I actually don't know, but like the fact that he's like, okay, I'm murder dad forever. Now it's time for me to have fun. Yeah, no, it's not really. I mean, this match, these matches are a few years old. Yeah. Um, but he's known at this point as a very serious shoot yeah. style wrestler. So it's not like this is a um, big difference in tone from now. Because he's always been that kind of wrestler. He's just so willing to do this stuff that I feel like you would not assume a guy like him would be willing to do. Yeah. Like, he did this Tokyo Dome match, like, I think it's from 2006. Or maybe Mecha Mummy is from 2006. Shout out again to Strong Style, who sent us the uh, Mecha Mummy clip. Um, So, yeah, this is after he retires from a decade-long career as an MMA fighter with a really good record. So the fact that he's, like going from actually kicking people's asses to like yeah I'll fight in an empty baseball diamond for no reason like he, I feel like he's somebody who takes his craft seriously but doesn't take himself seriously and I respect that a lot that's just an important I feel like that's just such an important way to find your balance yeah too like imagine if he were like Marlon Brando about this that would kind of <laughs> I mean I I love I love Dr. Moreau for all the wrong reasons like everybody else but it's just it's so much more fun as a performer and like he clearly just cares about the audience and cares about being like a full well-rounded person and I just I love that so much yeah I just really appreciate his commitment like he's choking out Mecha Mummy as steam comes out of Mecha Mummy's like <laughs> control box <laughs> And it's, he's selling it like he's choking out anybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's completely committed. I think also this sort of, I don't want to say it's a silly side because he's not being silly, but he clearly gets it. Like he's clearly a, like understands the appeal of like, yeah, I'm going to wrestle a robot mummy and that's going to be funny. Yeah. Is uh, his Instagram. <laughs> have you, do you follow him on Instagram? I just followed him tonight, but you guys, you and LB have talked to me at length about how he just posts his socks all the time. Yeah, he has like a really uh, good, like fancy sock collection. He runs a boutique in uh, Tokyo with like basically like. F- fancy wrestling themed streetwear where friend of the show Aaron Taub met him mm-hmm. and he seems like a, he's uh, he, in every fan photo he just seems like a really sweet old man <laughs> yeah he's uh I mean hopefully he's not beating up uh fans he can stick to young lions to get that out <laughs> Um, or the fans have to pay extra, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just posts, like, latte art, and, like, he his Instagram stories are full of gifts. Like, he just puts, like, nine million gifts on every picture. It's great. Aw, and he follows Diesel Jeans on Instagram. He follows Diesel Jeans on Instagram. <laughs> um, Can he recreate that Vine? The one where it's like hot shower, Xanax, whiskey, no, and he's diesel too cool. jeans. He's too cool. He would he make that vine cool. I'm going to put he's it out there. somehow cool and wears a fedora. So like, <laughs> that's how cool he is. Yeah. He makes novelty socks and fedoras seem like kind of sweet. If you're an old guy, you can get away with that. And if you're Minoru Suzuki, you can definitely get away with that. Yeah, I think you can if you can, like, actually beat the shit out of, like, most living people. Like, sure, you can wear a fedora. (laughs) You're allowed. (laughs) But, I mean, we're joking about this, but it really is an example of how one ages gracefully in a very unique set of 
standards that you have in, in a very unique set of like this framing that you have for yourself of like, how do I age gracefully in this? How do I, you know, reconcile? I keep talking about like reconciling, just kind of like, how do you still, how do you find that balance of like, I'm an old man, my body is like, he's still scary as hell, but like his body is just physically not what it was. Like we've talked about how his face has been rearranged and it's like, how do you age gracefully in that? that? How do you show that you still have power in what you are? And I think he does it in a lovely way. Well, I see it as somebody who is, um, interested in challenging themselves even as they age Yes, where, you know, he's been doing this for so long but he's not just having the same match over and over again. He's interested in doing these other types of yeah, things. Yeah. And I think he has a really creative and um, interesting perspective on professional wrestling as an art form. So yeah. he's somebody who did real fighting for a long time and then came back. And in every sort of interview I've read with him or watched with him, he just seems to have a, a much more kind of creative take on what wrestling is than than I would expect from somebody who comes from the world of like real fighting. Yeah. Um where there's a couple things I want to read from him. Um one is just something that I saw in a documentary I was watching today about him on uh the New Japan website that was made right after his uh 30th anniversary show and he's being asked about um like what what should be sort of like required of fans or what sort of perspective fans should take on his wrestling. And uh, he says, um, I don't think there should be rules for fans to watch pro wrestling. Um, I often say all that matters is if it's interesting or not. And he goes on to say like, if he's talking to the interviewer and he's like, if you and I were wrestling over there, like people wouldn't look at us. People wouldn't watch. You need something to make it interesting. Um, He says, as long as it's interesting, um, that's what's important. If there's a deep theory behind it, then those kinds of fans can enjoy it. But you don't have to have that to enjoy it. Even a three-year-old child can like it. I like that so much. And, I mean, this isn't just me trying to find an excuse to like him for the show. I really do think that our approach is similar to that because we're – we are very anti-gatekeeping on this show. We want it to be accessible for everybody. We want it to be accessible to me. And I am the avatar for people who listen to the show who don't know, who don't know professional wrestling. I love that perspective so much. Yeah, I think it really speaks to what I find interesting about professional wrestling, which is that it is entertainment on any level. Yeah. You can approach it from whatever level you want. If you want to be a super academic about it and like super high culture about it, you can do that and find interesting things about it. If you want to view it as sort of as simplistically as possible as just a spectacle or as like just a live uh uh, event or whatever you can enjoy it on that level if you're somewhere in the middle you can really get something out of it no matter where you're coming from yeah and he seems to strive for that in all of his matches and I just I love that I love that so much it's just good he gave an interview with New Japan right before his um, 30th anniversary show which is the next thing we're going to talk about um, and his perspective on that was really interesting and um, 
he said like when he was planning this event he it was really important to him that it be free and that it be outside and i think that that is very cool like he really wants it to be accessible um he chose okada as his opponent because okada is 30 years old okada was born when minoru suzuki started wrestling which is pretty neat yeah um but he also says in that interview that he chose okada because okada is the best absolutely yeah it's not just because of his age it's yeah because he is the best wrestler in the world and he is 30 years old so suzuki says um about the event uh, maybe some grannies just passing by will be watching. Maybe little kids who don't know what this wrestling thing is. Lately, more kids are coming to shows and yelling in the crowd. Not all that different from when I was a kid. The atmosphere is starting to come back. I want that to happen. Dot, 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 ellipsis. This is a 30-year celebration, but it isn't a celebration of me. It's not something to put me over. I've spent 30 years walking out on stages that other people have busted their asses to build, and now I'm inviting people to come to a stage I've built myself. And there's the added attraction of the special 30th anniversary, anniversary version of Kazeni Nare playing me to the ring for the first time. <laughs> I don't want to just say he gets it because that's oversimplifying, but he gets it. It reminds me of the uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, Super Bowl performance where he just and like Bruce is such a, like our example of an everyman. Yeah. Of like I like there's rain coming down in it. He Bruce accidentally jams a camera with his crotch. Um, <laughs> but it's so proletariat and for the people and like I don't want to assign anything to his politics. I don't know them sure, and they yeah. don't factor into this here, but his attitude towards this and his attitude towards the fans is so similar to that to me and I thought that was just really lovely. Yeah. I- I think it just speaks to a very sort of holistic understanding of um, wrestling as a performance. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm sure that other wrestlers feel this way about it, too. I mean, maybe not everybody does, but uh, hearing it expressed this way is really cool. Like, I don't know if other people think this, but he's clearly like a very thoughtful, eloquent, um, articulate Oh my gosh. So like hearing his thoughts about this is so interesting. Um, and it really helps me appreciate the match. So yeah, it's, it's outside and there's tons of people there and it is pouring rain and there are these beautiful wide shots and it's all of these, um, like gray umbrellas all surrounding the ring. And, uh, it's just such, again, a spectacle and I feel like that is what he's going for he's like it just needs to be interesting it just needs to make people want more of it and that's the goal and there's definitely some like still funny elements in this so it's like this perfect blend of everything that we like watched prior to this right I don't think it's funny in the way the uh the mecca one is but it's still like got some goofier stuff like you have Okada and like his gleaming white teeth and everything but uh the thing I said and this is half a joke but like Suzuki is like if that photo of Danzig carrying the cat litter came to life because <laughs> it's like Danzig is like this tough mean guy right like he's so scary he's Danzig he's terrifying and here he is just like carrying cat litter in her parking lot here's a photo of Danzig eating cake and it's <laughs> if that photo came to life and got slightly less self-serious <laughs> that's what Suzuki is like yeah he's a scary person but he also understands being day to day and he understands like being for everybody and he still has a sense of like 
what it's like to just be a guy. And, like, he is, you know, this big star and he's a famous person, but I still do think he has a sense of, like, what it's like to just be an average person day to day. Well, it seems like it's an interesting synthesis of, like, this super scary character. Yeah. And then his Instagram is, like, so silly. And he I feel like fully embodies both of them yeah so where one doesn't really undermine or take away from the other I mean the fact that he understands this about the way that people experience his art form enhances the his performance of that art form yeah so it's it's a cool like way to be both of those things and I do think kind of speaking to a theme that you've been bringing up throughout this episode I think that being able to synthesize those two things comes from age comes from really knowing yourself really really well Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean we sort of joke around about like we're both 30 and we're like oh I'm 30 now I've uh, approached a lot more balance in myself we know nothing about that like we're still saying like oh I did karaoke I'm still really hungover like I can't wait to eventually be a Suzuki and know myself on that level and know (laughs) whatever it is I wind up doing at that age that I love and know it in a better and in more intrinsic way it's just like it it makes aging not seem as horrible (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) Uh, I mean he's clearly he clearly makes being in your 50s look really fun (laughs) Suzuki and my dad. (laughs) Also, speaking of this, this isn't really something we watched, but I also just want to say, speaking to all of this, like, he doesn't do stuff in DDT anymore, really, but he did have, like, a relatively long-standing feud with Yano, which is, like, as close as New Japan gets to DDT of, like, just goofy uh, comedy wrestling, <laughs> where, like, for a while, like, the only person who could pin Suzuki was Yano. I love that. I'm just pro-Yano, if you couldn't tell. This is a pro-Yano podcast. But, uh, but like, <laughs> just the idea that he's, like, game for that, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah Yano can pin me, like, of course. <laughs> It's going to be interesting. People are going to like it. Yeah. Yes. And the match itself is great. I love watching Okada wrestle. Yeah. He's just, he's a wonderful performer. And it's right before he went full Jersey Kazu. Yes. This is like right after he lost the belt, but before he had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) And it's stressful to watch because it's, it's, when we say it's raining, it is raining. I believe this match is actually free on New Japan World. So even if you don't have a subscription, you can watch it again in keeping with sort of Suzuki's whole thing for his this ethos for this yeah. yeah um but it's it's raining it is wet <laughs> it and is there's not a, a safe match because of that yeah and granted they don't do okada does not do as much um high flying as he normally does because probably because it's so slippery he does do a couple spots where he gets up on the top rope and it's like ah, yeah it's so scary i like it no <laughs> you also had an interesting point about how this match ends in a draw, which is kind of interesting. It's a 30-minute draw. I think that it's your 30th... I mean, he already speaks in such a humble way about what he wants this match to be. He doesn't want it to be like a Suzuki celebration. He doesn't want yeah. to be like everyone has his face everywhere. He wants it to just be like a celebration of the thing itself. And it's your 30th anniversary you can book a vanity f- match and yeah, beat you okada kick the shit out of okada that's fucking fine that would be great but he chose not to mm-hmm. he chose to have it be a draw he chose to like just be like 
not this he didn't he doesn't want to end a chapter he just wants to keep the story going Mm -hmm. and i think that just i love it i fucking love it yeah (laughs) it's really cool um I I don't know what made me think of this, but I also want to say when we were at Wrestle uh, WrestleMania weekend, we saw Suzuki. We got to see him wrestle uh, Jeff Cobb at RevPro. Yeah. And um, before that match, I told Jeff Cobb was standing outside, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm really looking forward to your match." And he's like, "You're looking forward to seeing me die because I'm gonna <laughs> die." <laughs> that was really funny. I gotta find a way to watch that again. <laughs> but uh, Jeff Cobb has also apparently said because he does stuff with New Japan sometimes, and so people ask him about like, "Oh, would you, you know, if you yeah. went to New Japan, like, wh- what's that about or whatever?" And he's like, "I just want to join Suzuki Goon so I don't have to wrestle Suzuki," <laughs> which like, is very funny to me. There's a whole thing with the American commentary being scared of him, which is really funny. <laughs> Don Callis on the last show I watched is just like, oh, he looks like a goblin. <laughs> makes me laugh so much <laughs> he does kind of look like a goblin <laughs> to be fair he likes to like run up to the english language commentary team and like scare them and don Callis screams like a girl and it's very fun <laughs> it's it's good wrestling's so good wrestling rules wrestling's just i like i i'm very glad that this is the thesis we came to independently because it's just wrestling really does rule it's just <laughs> fun and i'm glad that a person as scary and mean as Suzuki understands that on a fundamental level. Yeah, it really adds a dimension to him that if he didn't have, he would still probably be... We'd still be doing an episode about him. Yeah, he would be a fascinating guy just for longevity alone, but the fact that there is this kind of other side to him is so cool and so interesting. And I like... I, I can't remember who's, who put it this way. I wish I could because I think about it all the time. Um, the idea that wrestling is not a genre, it's a medium, I think is like a really cool way to frame this. Where like I'm wrestling, pressing my hand to my heart. I love that. <laughs> like Suzuki... Suzuki's medium is wrestling and he can work in multiple different genres. And there are a lot of people like that. But I think having that view of it is what helps him be such a compelling uh, performer. That makes me think about all the guys that we truly think of as compelling performers, and they all have that element to them. Yeah, that versatility. Like, Daniel Bryan has that element to him. Justin has that element to him. Um, Asuka has that element to her. Uh, When he's not tweeting like an idiot, he still has that element. Kenny has that element. Oh, yeah, totally. Like uh, Ibushi does. They all have it. And that that's that's why we're so drawn to these people, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're also like, you know, hot or funny (laughs) or good performers. But you you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think that that is um, the way that I prefer to look at wrestling. And it is satisfying to hear somebody who works as a wrestler sort of confirm that to me that that is like a valid viewpoint yeah i mean i just i love i love a confirmed bias but i like that he (laughs) thinks about it the same way that we do totally is this our suzuki episode for now yeah i think we've done it um i'm rooting for him in the g1 i want him to 
teach Jay White a lesson uh, oh, he badly. Will. He will. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, if you don't know, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. We have a couple bonus episodes up uh, on there now. We also do extended uh, comprehensive match guides on there. So if you're interested in some sort of further Suzuki research um, or a little bit more context about him, we post um, episode guides uh, for every episode. So check that out. Uh, Russellsplania at gmail.com, Russellsplania on Twitter, Russellsplania on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, SoundCloud. SoundCloud, <laughs> everywhere. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, uh, we love you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>